This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay talk to Naoko Yamano of Shonen Knife. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me as always, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, it's episode 229, 229, 229-er. Niner, niner. Season 5 of Dig Me Out, and we have an interview this week, Jay. Excellent. I love interview weeks. Yes. Unfortunately, Jay, you were not able to participate. You were off vacationing on your private island and... (laughs) That you built off the coast of China with your... Sun, uh, sunning myself. Sunning yourself. So I got the chance to, by myself, uh, we do this every once in a while, speak with uh, the lead singer and songwriter of the legendary Japanese punk rock, pop rock band Shonen Knife, Naoko Yamano. And um, we spent some time chatting recently. They're about to embark on a month-long u.s tour so why don't we get into it this is the interview with naoko from shonen knife Hi, Naoko. This is uh, Tim Nietzsche. I'm the co-host of uh, the Dig Me Out podcast here in the United States. Actually, well, in, good. in Ohio, where you'll be playing uh, next month. Yes. Well, it's great to speak with you. Yeah, me too. Thank you very much. Um, so, curious about, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about the tour that's coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're going to be playing uh, a number of shows with um, C.J. Ramon. It was in the yes. Ramones. So yeah. did you have a... I, I wasn't sure. Did you have a chance to play with the Ramones back in the day? Yes. Um, Shonen Knife have ever opened up for Ramones show in... Uh, it was 1995, I remember. And uh, and it was in Osaka. And it was uh, the farewell show uh, of the Ramones. Uh, okay. And also, uh, we played with CJ in Tokyo twice. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, no, no, Tokyo and Osaka. Okay. Yeah. So you, so you knew CJ from back when he was in the Ramones? Yes, CJ C- played uh, Ramones songs, yes. Uh, okay, I wanted to ask you about then just touring in, in general. Um, so you guys have been together. Well, the band has, has been around for 30 years. I know there's been some, some lineup changes, but... I wanted to know if do you find touring internationally um, as exciting and interesting as you did when you were younger, or is it more like going out and and just sort of going through the you know more of a job now than it was when you were younger and you were, you were it was if it was more fun then or if it's the same amount of fun? Uh, when I I was uh, young, uh, I didn't I couldn't imagined uh, I could all over the world and uh, but uh, I was thinking if I could tour uh, I w- it must be great and uh, uh, the my dre- dream came true and um, I actually uh, the 
I still enjoying uh, touring a lot because um, I can see uh, many uh, many different people at the many different cities, and um, I like to see people uh, having a good time with uh, Shonen Knife. Are there any particular cities that you really enjoy going back to? Whether it's just places you like to visit at the city or places you like to eat in those cities. Mm, um, I I uh, I like everywhere. Um, I've been to uh, many countries in Europe, uh, even in uh, Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. and also uh, North America and uh, India, uh, China and uh, Philippines. And uh, Thailand or many countries, so uh, I I like everywhere. But um, I especially like to eat uh, Thai food and Indian food. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I mentioned about uh, you know CJ being uh, he he replaced uh, Didi in in the Ramones, and and you've had some lineup changes as well um, in Shonen Knife. Was it difficult? When um, your sister left the band, did you have any doubts about continuing the band at that point? Um, actually, uh, after uh, Michi left the band, uh, Atsuko and I uh, played uh, with just two members, mm-hmm. and uh, we hired a support drama, and and uh, we wanted to uh, uh, and Atsuko switched to uh, from the drum to the bassist um, I think it was a very good choice and uh, everything went well mm. and after Atsuko left the band um, um, it was very lucky for us to find a very uh, great bassist uh, Ritsuko so uh, mm-hmm. and uh Atsuko and Ritsuko, uh, everyone has a very uh, good character. And uh, their character, uh, some characters are different, but some parts are very similar. Uh, they have, they have uh, long hair and, uh, and, um, the, and also um, the... Their playing style is a little different, but um, the band is made by uh, members, and members' uh, groove can make a good sound. And my my, uh, songs, uh, my music uh, can went well uh, with Atsuko's music and also Ritsuko's music. And I cannot compare, but everything went very well. Excellent. For some of the people who aren't familiar with the band that are, are listening to our podcast, can you take us back to the start? I know you you were... Uh, do you still live in Osaka now? Um, yes. Okay, so and that was where you you grew up. And can you talk about the music scene when you were a teenager, before you formed uh, the band, and, and what that was like in Osaka? Um, uh, when uh, I was a teenager, uh, I I usually listened to uh, American or British rock music, and I 
didn't listen to、uh, Japanese music a lot, but at that time,、uh, there was a music,、uh, big underground music scene in Tokyo, and,、uh, and in Osaka,、uh, there wasn't a big mu- under- underground music scene. And、mm-hmm. for、uh, th- there are some bands, and many、uh, the bands are. Kind of independent, so so there is not big scene, but、uh, I'm very、uh, inspired by、uh, underground music scene in Tokyo. And、uh, I listened to,、uh, I went to、uh, some shows,、uh, a band from、uh, Tokyo when I was a teenager, but after that.、Uh, The music scene in、uh, Osaka and、uh, Kansai area、uh, it was grown up, and、uh, especially in Kyoto, there,、uh, Kyoto is、uh, next to Osaka, and there are many、uh, universities and colleges in Kyoto, and there are many young people, and、uh, the mu- very, very good underground music scene is,、uh, was appeared in Kyoto. And、uh, Sean and I were involved to that. So, how did you find were, were records easily, easy to find? Because I know back in the, you know, the late 70s, you know, if you wanted to find a Clash record in the United States, unless you lived in like New York or LA, it was hard to find them in, in a place like Ohio、um, or a Buzzcocks record or you know, a lot of those you know, British bands or even some American because they were on smaller labels. Did you? Did you have record stores back then that, that carried all of those, or, or did you have to like seek those records out?、Uh, Osaka area is the second largest、uh, city area, and、uh, the, it's a、uh, 10 million city, so、uh, we have uh, many uh, record stores, and also we have、uh, many imported record stores. in Uh, even in the 90s. So、uh, I went to an、uh, imported record store and get uh, some uh, records. Uh, but but uh, actually, uh, when I started to listen to Buzzcocks or Ramones, they have Japanese record deals. So、okay. uh, it, it was very easy to get their records. Gotcha. So, were you playing an instrument when you were young, or did that start when you decided you wanted to put a band together? When I was a very, very、uh, small child,、uh, I had a piano lessons, but the teacher was so strict and、uh, so scary. So, I, I stopped、uh, playing the piano. But,、uh, I, uh, uh, the teacher was、uh, actually very, actually very good teacher, so I could uh, tell uh, the musical notes、uh, once I listened to music. So、um, then、uh, I started to play the guitar after I formed the Shonen Knife. Do you remember what your first guitar was that you bought? My first guitar was.、Uh, My, my first electric guitar was a yellow Stratocaster type、uh, guitar, and, but、uh, it's not Fender, but、uh, mm-hmm. the brand was Founder. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've talked to on the on the podcast a number of musicians who the when they first got their guitar and they got their first amp, they couldn't figure out how to make it sound like the records, meaning they couldn't figure out how to get distortion. And it took them a while to realize that they had to get a pedal to make, you know, the distortion and get the and get the the noise. Um, did you struggle with that at first, um, the way that a lot of other people did, where they they just thought they could plug the guitar in and and get some noise? Did it take you a little while to figure out? Oh, I need a I need a distortion pedal to make that happen. Um, in Japan, uh, we cannot uh, make a big noise at home, so uh, we usually go to. Uh, rehearsal studio okay. uh, to to make noise and uh japanese rehearsal studio uh have uh amps and drum set so we can rent them for oh, free okay so uh but i bought a very tiny tiny 20 watt amp uh for me and but i didn't use it <laughs> i just bought it it, it was a uh, roland uh cube something uh, 20 watt a very tiny one and uh, th- that amp has a regular clean channel and distorted uh, sound channel and uh, after I went to uh, rehearsal studio uh, I used uh, many uh, amps like Fender Marshall or uh, Roland and Yamaha or something, and um, I bought a, a Maxon's uh, distortion pedal. Okay. So do you have a collection of guitars now, or do you stick to mainly one guitar? I have uh, many guitars at home. Uh, I think more than 30 or 40 guitars. Oh. But, uh, but I'm not a collector. Um I think usually male uh, like to collect guitars, but um, I'm uh, since I'm a female, so uh, I just uh, take guitar as a, a kind of um, material. So um, I and I get some uh, endorsements from uh, guitar companies because uh, I'm keeping. Uh, Shonen knife over 30 years so uh, mm-hmm. and I have many many guitars uh, get free <laughs> and also uh, I made uh, my custom guitar and it's a Fujigen company a Japanese one and also uh, now I have an endorsement uh from uh, Daisy Rock in America and um, Aria Pro 2 in Europe. Excellent. Do you have a particular favorite guitar that you like to write on when you're writing new music? Or do you sort of pick the guitar based on how you're feeling or, you know, what what sort of sound do you want to get? At home, uh, I usually uh, use my... uh, Aria Pro 2 uh, semi-acoustic guitar. Um, (laughs) It's very convenient. Uh, uh, I can hear the sound without amp. So semi-acoustic is very useful. 
So speaking of writing, I, I, I want to go back to a couple records that you've put out recently. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there was the, the pop tune record that came out in, in 2012. Overtime record came out in 2014 seemed to have more of like a 70s hard rock influence, whether it was like Tin Lizzy or or Sabbath or something like that. So when you're writing a record, are you thinking about, you know, I want to go in this direction for the record? Or is it more like I've been listening to this recently and this is what's influencing me? Where do those songwriting ideas come from? Uh I usually uh, don't have any uh, purpose when I started uh, writing songs. But uh, after I write uh, some songs, uh, the songs, uh, the type of songs uh, have one character. I don't, uh, it was, it was without conscious, but um, I always uh, inspired by uh, music uh, I listen at that time. Mm-hmm. So uh, for when I uh, recorded uh, pop tune, uh, I was inspired by pop music. And also uh, when I uh, recorded Overdrive, uh, our latest album, uh, I was listening to... Uh, 70s uh, British hard rock or American rock. So um, things are, uh, I have uh, inspired by uh, my favorite music at that time. Right. Do you write the music first or do the vocals come first? Uh, I usually write uh, lyrics first, uh, mainly uh, the Topics, especially the topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when I uh, spending daily life, uh, I if I find uh, something interesting, I write uh, keywords on my notebook, and um, I expand the keywords to uh, lyrics. And then I put melody line on it and fix the lyrics and fix the melody line and uh, fix, fix, fix. And uh, I make music. I write songs. Now you record lyrics in both Japanese and and English, right? Yes. um, But in these uh, years, uh, I mainly... uh, write in uh, write 
English songs. And uh, for, uh, for example, for uh, Overdrive album,、uh, only、uh, three songs have Japanese lyrics and English lyrics, and other seven songs have、uh, English lyrics only. When, when you're doing both, something that's always, I've always been curious about is it hard to make the, the melody? Work the same way when you're dealing with two different languages? Do you have to sort of change that in order to? Because sometimes the words aren't the same length or they don't sound the same. Does that present a challenge? Yeah, it's very, very difficult to、uh, adjust the meaning.、Mm-hmm. And、um, I think、uh, Japanese language h a v e very.、Um, Uh, one, one, one word has many syllables, but English has uh, uh, one, one syllable can、uh, express one meaning. So,、uh, for example,、uh, school is a school, just, just one.、Mm-hmm. But in Japanese, gakkou, it's very long. <laughs> so,、uh, and It's very difficult to adjust. But, but、uh, I'd like to、uh, make the same、uh, meaning、uh, of the lyrics. So、uh, it's very, very difficult for me. You're in charge primarily of the writing. You, you do most of that on your own and then bring the songs to the band and then work on them from there. Is that how it works? Yeah.、Um, Yeah, everything going well, and my uh, uh, me- uh, members uh, play very,、uh, understand my songs very much. Okay. So, and, and you are pretty much in, in charge of the band, meaning like you choose like the album titles and, and you, you take a very do it yourself, you know, hands on, independent approach, right? Yes. Is that because you don't want a record label? You know, there's a lot of stories of record labels interfering with bands when they're trying to make a record saying, oh, we need, we need you to record another hit. You know, we need another single for this record. Did you, are, are you not interested in sort of playing that role of, of a band that has to, you know, deal with those label politics? Are you want to have, do you want to have more control over the band? I, I, um, Now,、uh, if, if we have a very, very big、uh, contract with a very, very big major label, I think we can be forced something. But、uh, our record label now in, in Japan, in America, in Europe, Australia,、uh, very, uh, they understand us a lot. So,、uh, I can, we can、uh, control by ourselves. Gotcha. Speaking of your, your record label、um, in the United States, so you've been working with、um, Robbie from the Goo Goo Dolls on some releases. He put out a couple of the recent releases, including the, the, the covers, the Osaka Ramones album.
how did you end up hooking up with with his label? I uh, many uh, it was uh, two uh, more than ten years ago. Um, a, a band uh, called uh, Juliet Dagger from uh, Robbie's label called Good Caramel Records uh, mm-hmm. uh, want me to join the recording in Japan. Okay, and uh, the they may. Uh, the good caramel records uh, made a contact to me and i uh, played the guitar and i did backing vocal for the recording in osaka and then uh when uh we uh were looking for our record label and uh we wanted to tour in america uh we uh asked them uh to give us uh their advice and uh the robbie uh, said uh good caramel wanted uh release our records so um everything uh went very uh quickly well that's excellent so the the last record overdrive that just came out last year but you guys have you've been very consistent i think almost every other year there's been a new record out. So do you are you currently writing or are there plans to do writing for a new record maybe next year? Yeah, I'm I usually very lazy and I usually start writing uh when the studio uh was booking. Okay. So uh <laughs> once the studio was booking uh I usually start start writing very quickly but uh, for the next album uh, I think I have to write uh, as soon as possible okay (laughs) so you mentioned about having access to those import record shops in in Osaka are those still around because I know in, in the United States we've lost a lot of you know the the long time record stores have closed because of the, the digital music and and those sorts of things you don't see as many physical record stores anymore do you still go out to record stores and and you know look through bins trying to find you know records or are you doing your um you know music finding online like a lot of people these days mm-hmm. um i go to a record store once a year <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but uh, but still uh, there uh, some record store in Japan. But uh, Japanese many most of all Japanese people, uh, especially Japanese young people, like to listen to uh, domestic music. So um, I usually buy uh, records or CDs, or I visit uh, online shop. Okay. Well, here here in the United States, there's been a, a kind of a resurgence with vinyl records. Um, mm-hmm. They're actually outselling, you know, CDs and stuff in the last couple years. And has is that translated over um, in Japan? Has there been has there been a, an interest in vinyl records, or did that ever, you know, did people switch so drastically like they did in the United States? Like back in the '90s, you basically couldn't buy a vinyl record in the United States. They just 
nobody was really making them. If it was, it was maybe 500 copies and they were, you know, gone very quickly. Everybody was buying CDs, whereas now it's like everybody's buying vinyl again. Is that happening over there as well? Yeah, uh, it's uh, very slow, but uh, more and more uh, people tend to like to buy uh, vinyl in Japan too. Okay. Well, we had a question from one of our listeners. Uh, he asked about The Clash and wanted to know if uh, if you were ever a fan and if you were ever consider recording a song by The Clash. And if so, which one would you do? I was listening to Clash uh, when I was a teenager, but uh, I prefer more uh, melodious uh, new wave punk music like Buzzcocks or something, right. Buzzcocks jam, gotcha. uh, better than uh, better than uh, Crash or uh, Sex Pistols. I gotcha. I understand. So I w- I want to wrap up by saying thank you for you know giving me your time. I don't know what time it is where you're at. It's it's about eight. It's about eight. They're almost eight thirty here, where I'm at. I don't know if it's uh, morning or evening where you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, morning. Nine, okay. Nine nine thirty. <laughs> okay, so you probably it's probably tomorrow where where you are. You're mm. was it Thursday morning there? Yes, yes. So you're in the uh, future. Yeah, it's it's very very opposite. Uh, night okay. and morning are opposite. <laughs> well, I just wanted to um, say best of luck on the tour coming up in the United States and safe travels across the country. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm here in Columbus, Ohio. Will you be playing on, um, I think it's the 4th at Ace of Cups. I think you've got some other Ohio dates scheduled. So looking forward to seeing you play. I want to remind all of our listeners that they should go to uh, Shonen Knife. Uh, I think it's .com is the website. And then also on uh, Facebook. Or is it yeah, .net? So- yeah, .net. Yes. .net. And then also on Facebook for all of the tour dates, they're up on the up on the front page of there of the uh, Facebook page. So, yeah. thank you Naoko for um, for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. That was our interview with uh, Naoko from Shonen Knife. Uh, great chance to talk about um, the start of that band and, and how they've progressed throughout the years and um, also get a little insight on Japanese culture as a, you know as it pertains to rock and roll. So um, and good to hear about you know her appreciation of 70s rock like uh, Tin Lizzy and Kiss and those sorts of bands too. So, you mean Thin Lizzy? Sorry, th- is it Thin or Tin? It's Thin. Because I've, I've heard, heard it both ways. I've never heard anybody say Tin. All right, the- sorry. Anyway, Jay, the the hits keep rolling. We've got our roundtable coming up next week, and then we're going to be doing another interview. One that sort of is a special episode for us. You can play the cue the sappy music. It's a very special episode. What's uh, the uh, roundtable next week? The roundtable next week is Concerts of the 1990s. We're going to be talking about our favorite oh, concerts that we went to. Geez. 
We're going to be talking about the worst concerts that we attended. We're going to be talking about the, the big traveling festivals of the 90s that we don't really see anymore. Now now it's all destination. Bonnaroo, uh, yeah. Coachella, Lollapalooza is now a standalone. You know, it's it's in one location, whereas these used to have these long traveling, you know, Warp Tour, uh, Lilith Fair, OzFest. All these things used to be traveling festivals. So we're going to talk about how that changed. We'll talk about the two Woodstocks that took place in 1994 and 1999. Um, and we're just going to talk about uh, live music in general in the 90s. And I'm going to need your help remembering what shows I went to. Right now, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Uh, I'm pulling, pulling maybe one or two, but I know there were more than that. So obviously. Well, we'll have to resuscitate that memory. Uh, so that I need your help with these sorts of things. Yeah, I know. It's starting to fade. As I wrote all this stuff down. so I, You got I all the ticket stubs, I'm sure. I don't have all the ticket stubs because a lot of the shows – that I went to, not a lot, but some of them were through the radio station, so it was just like on a guest list at college, so I didn't actually have ticket stubs, but I ha- I did actually keep a spreadsheet, of course, of every concert that I've ever been to, so that's what a, a nerd like I like I am does, uh, so I have that, so Jay, per- perhaps you should revisit some of the bands, and if they jog your memory as having gone to a live show, you can sort of figure out if you ever saw them. Sounds fun. Yeah. So that'll be next week. We'll have some guests for that. Uh, as always, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. And, of course, if you have an album you would like to suggest uh, for us to review, head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com and hit up our request to review page, and uh, we'll make that happen. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. Yeah, well,